Welcome back to the PGR Cast, a podcast about life as a postgraduate researcher. I'm Rory, and I'm a PhD researcher in glaciology. And I'm Luca, doing my doctoral research in civil engineering. In today's episode, we're going to talk about PGR democracy with Lou Macy, the postgraduate education officer at the Bristol Students' Union, who is halfway through her second term in the role. Lou, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, thank you. Um, yeah, I am Lou. I use she, her pronouns, and I am the postgrad education officer at Bristol SU. And before that, I was doing an MPhil here in film and television. Nice. Um, when did you decide, like midway through an MPhil, that what you wanted was to become a postgraduate education officer and have all of that responsibility? <laughs> wow. It, it's, I mean, it's been a whole journey, if I'm honest. Um, I did my undergrad at a different university, but sort of knew a little bit about like what a rep was I'd heard of it um but I never became one and then I came to Bristol to do my MPhil and I genuinely think it was in within like the first couple of weeks that I basically received an email saying hi we need a PGR rep for our department so I put my name forward because I thought well why not why not get involved um I noticed really that I was new to Bristol, I was doing a non-standard PGR degree, you know, MPhil is one that, you know, even a lot of PGRs here maybe haven't even heard of. Um, and I'd noticed there were maybe some things that I maybe would have changed about my induction period and how I was introduced to the university. So I thought, well, if I'm a rep, maybe that will give me more of an opportunity to, to make those changes. Um, and then, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I spent a lot of time talking to the postgrad education officer at the time, uh, a guy called Chris Brasnett. And it came around to February, the SU's famous TB2 elections, and they were recruiting uh, for PGR faculty reps. And I thought, well, maybe I could give this a go. I, I enjoyed what I did as a departmental rep. Maybe I'll run to be a faculty rep. And Chris Brasnett turned to me and he said, if you do that, it's a slippery slope. You'll be faculty rep and then suddenly you'll find yourself running to be a full time officer. And I said, no, that's ridiculous. That's never going to happen. Um, but I ran to be a faculty rep. And I think it was potentially either the very beginning of campaign week or the end of it um, that lockdown was announced with COVID, um, which obviously suddenly meant that, you know, everything that people were saying they were going to campaign for in their roles was completely thrown out the window because suddenly we were in the middle of a pandemic and higher education had just changed. You know, even if you're a PGR, obviously a bit dependent on your faculty, just how much change there was, but there was going to be a huge amount of change. Um, so I was fortunate enough to win that election um, and then started the role early because of COVID. And suddenly I was in loads of meetings with SU staff, the other officers at the SU and university staff as well, making some really big decisions about how the university and the student union were going to deal with COVID, handle COVID, make sure that we were all still having the best experience possible and getting the most out of, out of our time here. And I enjoyed that so much, despite it being, you know, like a, a voluntary role. And, you know, they say it's only a few hours a week and it can be. But also, if you get really stuck into a project, it, it can often become a little bit more than that. And I thought it would be great if I could do this full time. You know, there were there were changes I wanted to make that I thought there's no way that anyone can do this in a part time voluntary role. It, it requires something bigger. So... I decided to run for postgrad education officer. Um, 
And I'm really glad I did, to be honest, um, because it, it then allowed me to... I always refer to being a rep as sort of having a peek behind the curtain at how the universities actually run, because you can, you know, you can sit there and say, oh, maybe the university should change how it does this. Maybe it should be focusing more on this. And often they are. They're just not at a point where they can talk about it yet. But if you're in that rep system, particularly like the higher up you get in that rep system, the more you see, oh, they are working on this. They just can't talk about it. Um, and also the the more you get involved in the rep system, the more you are then involved in those decisions. So I have been very fortunate to be able to help make a lot of change uh, that helps postgrads because I represent postgraduate taught and postgraduate research uh, students. So I, I, I have that, that little balancing act to do as well. But yeah, I, I loved it so much that I decided to run again next March. Um, so I did. And thankfully, my goodness, thankfully I got reelected. And yeah, like you say, I'm in the middle of my second term now. And yeah, it, it has been a roller coaster. And I often think back to that moment when I first started here and decided to be a departmental rep where I was like, I had no idea how much it would change, like potentially the rest of my life, because I now love student unions so much that I'm considering trying to have some form of career in them. Um, and that's nothing like what I thought I would have been doing when I started here. So it, it's, it's been a journey for sure. Excellent. And uh, can you maybe share then who else is in your team, either above, below, around you? Yeah, of course. So Bristol SU is quite different to a lot of student unions in that it has a flat structure. So if you go to a lot of universities and look at their student unions, they'll have a president and then maybe a few vice presidents and a few other sabbatical officers. But at Bristol SU, we have a flat structure. So we're all on the same level. Um, so we have uh, the two education officers, so there's myself and then there's an undergraduate education officer who does the same things that I do but focused on undergraduates. Um, we have a union affairs officer who basically looks after our democratic structures, makes sure that students are always in the heart of our decision making. We have our equality, liberation and access officer who focuses on basically um, enhancing and bettering the experience of our students that come from marginalised groups. Uh, we have a student living officer who basically looks after things like sustainability, mental health and well-being, and housing, which are obviously huge topics, um, and especially at the moment, you know, they're, they're more hot topics than ever. Then we have our sports and student development officer who looks after our societies, our sports clubs, and um, works with sports, exercise and health at the university. And then we have our international students officer who the sole responsibility is basically in every aspect of university life, looking out for international students. And what was there for you? Yes, you are making contribution to others, but how did you grow in your role? I think I'm probably not alone sitting in a room with other PGRs when I say that I have quite bad imposter syndrome. Um, I know it's something that's, you know, common amongst everybody, but I've seen it so much with, with PGRs especially. Um, and I think it's, it's helped my confidence. I think it's, it's shown me that there, there is a point to campaigning and lobbying for change. I think it can become really easy if you're working on something for it to, you to maybe reach a wall with it and to think, oh, well, I gave it my best shot, but that, that's it. I, I guess it's just not going to happen. Um, but 
it's made me a lot more persistent. Um, but also, and this this might sound ridiculous, but it's it's also given me a lot more experience of knowing when to like basically picking your battles, because there are there are some things that you know. Maybe you have to push a little bit more, but then it's well. If I'm pushing on this, maybe I have to ease back on this other thing that I was campaigning for. But knowing that some good is going to come out of it, you just have to keep going. I guess resilience. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very important. Yeah. One, yeah. 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 Excellent. Because <laughs> it, um, I think one of the really interesting things about the sabbatical officer role is that the majority of students who go into those roles are undergraduates who, for a lot of them, it's their first time job. Um, and I basically, I took some time out between my undergrad and my postgrad. So I'd, I'd had some employment experience in there. Um, but for a lot of people, it is their first job. And it's such a huge level of responsibility to go into. But I think it's one of the most rewarding things you can do because the skills you gain from it is are amazing. Mm. And... Everyone, every one of the officers, we're all so passionate about what it is that we're doing. So I think it it's so it's so interesting being in a job where you get to focus on your own passions whilst recognizing that at the same time you're helping other people as well. So that basically creates a, a community, isn't yeah. it? So that you've received something from people beforehand and there's a time for you to basically contribute and give back to improve. Yeah, so one of the things that I think really helped me with my campaigning when I was campaigning was that I had been a departmental rep and a faculty rep, so I was used to hearing the opinions of PGRs around me, so I could then feed that into what became my manifesto when I was running. Um, and then it's it's reassuring and quite affirming in a way to basically be elected into a role where you've identified these problems because although they're, they're horrible problems and they're things that you don't want to be part of the PGR experience and they're things that need to be improved, it's reassuring to know that people are saying, yes, that is a problem. You've recognised that and we have faith in you to help solve this problem, to help sort it out and make things better. Um, but I think you don't need to have already been a rep to be able to do that because we talk to each other. I, I don't know I don't know a single PGR who has not at some point talked about some some issue that they're having either you know in a group or with a, an individual and I think it, so much of this role is just listening because it's it's not as if I picked some issues back when I was a faculty rep and I'm still working on those now in some cases in some cases it is but a lot of the time it's you get into the role, you go through the training period, you come out of it, you start talking to current PGRs, and there are problems you had no idea existed. And that's perfectly reasonable because you come from one faculty, maybe maybe two, depending on, on your individual situation, but you're never going to know everything about what's happening at the university. You're never going to know what's going on in all six faculties. I think it's easy to assume that structures and things work the same across all faculties across the university but every faculty does things slightly differently and that's okay because it's how they best cater to the needs of their students and their staff but that means that there is no universal solution often the solution looks completely different depending on where you are at the university and so 
often it might be that you have a problem and another faculty has already solved that problem. But without that communication, without someone being in the room and saying, well, hang on a minute, I know you had that problem. What did you do about it? How did you solve that? And you've just got to collaborate. But it's, it's interesting to see where that happens and where that doesn't happen. And that's, I think, a lot of the time where officers get involved because we sit in so many committees with so many different members of staff, professional services, academic staff. You know, we, we have meetings with the vice chancellor every month. And it's, it's engaging with the university at all these different levels and then seeing sometimes that there are connections there that it's, it's not even, they've not even been picked up before. And it could be that a problem you thought was specific to your faculty is actually a complete widespread issue, not even necessarily just in Bristol, but throughout the whole sector. So sometimes you're even campaigning for change on a national level rather than it being within the university. And that is a whole other level of rewarding in itself, knowing that you are really contributing to some huge change. Um, so it's it's... Yeah, it's, it's interesting in, in that sense as well. And just before we move on, you mentioned committees. Uh, could you give some examples of the kind of committees that you might sit on, the kind of topics you might talk about? Yeah, of course. So uh, University Learning and Teaching Committee as an education officer. So to be quite honest, education officers spend a lot of their time in committees uh, because a lot of the time we are approving new programmes we are maybe approving the removal of a programme. Um, there's been lots of talk going on since I've been a sabbatical officer about the structure of the academic year and what that might look like in the future as the sort of realms of higher education change. Um, it'll be approving policy. So another, another group I sit on is the codes exec group. So one of the things that we're looking at is how to make the PGR code more accessible because it's an incredibly long document that I have a lot of admiration for you if you've read the whole thing and fully understand the whole thing because it can be very difficult to, to sort of pinpoint what specific things mean. So we've done a lot of work in simplifying that, making sure that it's, it's easier to understand that PGRs can use it when they need the help rather than it just being the university, like something that the university enforces. And also working on basically making... making making it even for all PGRs. So there were a lot of examples in the code, for example, where if you were studying part-time, it was sort of unclear how specific things would work, whereas it was so clear if you were a full-time student what that would look like. So it's it's looking at the, the different ways that you can be a student and how they're represented in university structures, university code, university policy, and making that better. So uh, another committee that I sit on um, is Senate. And Senate's one that some of the voluntary reps sit on as well. So we have our undergraduate faculty reps and then some of our postgraduate taught and postgraduate research faculty reps. And that is basically the highest level of committee slash group um, on the academic side of the university. So that is quite a large decision making body. And it's amazing that we we have a seat at that table. I think so much so much of this job is being the person in the room, having the seat at the table and acknowledging that there are so many, I know so many individual PGRs who are trying to get a problem solved, who think, you know what, I, I can do this. And I think one of the, 
interesting and best things about being in this role is that you're you're the person in the room. So often an individual will be working on an issue and maybe they've come up against a roadblock and it's either because they don't know who the right person to talk to is or they just don't know how to talk to this person because you can maybe try and get a meeting in with somebody but that doesn't guarantee that either you'll get that meeting or that you'll necessarily be listened to either. Um, So one of the things that I really enjoy in my role, to be honest, is PGRs basically coming to me with issues and saying, look, I've got this far with this. Or like a group of us have been working on this for a while, but now we've got roadblocks. Now we would really appreciate it if you could come in and maybe bring this up in a committee you're in. Or I know you have a relationship with that member of staff already. So if if you could if you could maybe you know, go in and campaign for us and help us with this, that could really help us push it forward. And I think that's one of the best parts of the role is being able to work with PGRs on things that they're they're passionate about as well. It's not just about what I want to change. It's that's not the point of the role. I'm here to represent PGRs. And if I'm not looking at the issues that PGRs really want to change and are trying to change, then then I wouldn't be doing my job really. Not to mention that an issue in isolation is, doesn't sound anywhere near as powerful as if you've kind of collated related problems from across the PGR community. You can make a much stronger case that something needs to be done when it is your turn to speak. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think it's it's often interesting to look at that data because sometimes the results are really surprising. Um, I can guarantee, you know, if, if you do some PGR-specific research, there'll be things in there that you think, yeah, okay, we knew that was coming. We knew that was something we needed to work on. But often it'll identify things that maybe hadn't been considered as such pressing issues. But suddenly you get this data, you get this feedback, and you think, oh, my goodness, we have massively overlooked this. This is something that needs to become much more of a priority. And it's something we've been really trying to focus on at the SU is how we engage with PGRs, um, particularly in terms of, you know, the information that we we get about the sort of issues that that people are having, because it's it's just not feasible to do a survey that reaches every student that is relevant to every student. So something we've been trying to focus more on is, okay, so let's do a survey that focuses on our taught students, so our undergraduates and our postgraduate taught students, but let's do something separate for our PGRs because we just recognise that the experience is so different that there is no way that you could create a, a perfect set of questions that would cater for all of those students with all of their individual needs. Just following on from that, sometimes you, you might get a result that isn't, it is sort of what you're expecting, but it's, it's still surprising in how much, sometimes it's so much worse than you're expecting. I remember yes. when we started doing the uh, cost of living surveys earlier this year, and I knew that things were tight, but I also knew that I was sort of in the better off group of PGR students. And at the extreme ends of the spectrum, it was absolutely shocking to see how some people were trying to get by whilst doing a full-time kind of job as a postgraduate researcher. Yeah, definitely. And especially with topics like cost of living, it can be really difficult to like look at that data, look at that information and not just feel completely demoralized and defeated and think, what is the point? Because I mean, ultimately, so much of this is, is a national issue, isn't it? It's, it's national problems that need huge solutions that one officer team couldn't possibly try and fix. 
But I think a skill that is really necessary in this role is taking a bad situation and then being able to say, okay, well, what do I need to do about this? And almost, it sounds really bizarre, but almost using it as motivation to be like, okay, things are worse than I thought they were, but that means I need to fight harder. That means I need to be better. So that is, it sounds bad, but I think it can be really motivating in a way to know that, okay, there is, there is a real problem here and I need to be doing my best. Yeah, like this isn't just people whining, this is people's lives. Yeah, yeah, it can be really challenging because I think often, especially when you have that data and you present it to the university, you're presenting them with numbers and then those students, the university doesn't want to treat them like numbers, but they, they've just got those figures in front of them. So it, it's often about, as an officer, being like, look, this is the data that you've got in front of you. This says so much about the situation. But also, let me tell you this story about this PGR I spoke to last week. Let me tell you about this focus group I went to and the conversations we were having there. So that data does a lot of legwork, but it it needs to be then accompanied by like the real stories that you can't necessarily get through a survey or a questionnaire or a feedback form because everyone needs reminding sometimes that the people going through these issues are real people. And like you say, it's their lives. And inside of that, so what's your favorite thing that you've basically done in your role to make a change inside of those campaigns? And maybe what's the top three priorities at the moment? Yeah, okay. So, gosh, what are my favorite things that I've done so far? It feels weird calling them favorites because often they're rooted in such deep issues that it feels weird to sort of phrase them in that way. But mm. I guess successes... Um, Most meaningful. Yeah, yeah. So um, at the Students' Union, we have uh, active policy, which is voted on by all of our student members that are eligible voters. So that's things like course reps, network chairs, our volunteering coordinators who go to student council, where motions have been proposed by any student can propose a motion. Um, but they'll be on things like maybe boycotting a certain company, getting the SU and the officers in particular to lobby the university on a particular issue. Um, but when I first came into the role last year, our policy on supporting the strikes had lapsed. So I had to basically take it upon myself to look at the previous policy, update it, and basically put that forward at student council and then fight for, for that to basically come into action. And it can be really tricky because I, I am here solely to represent postgrads. Um, but really every member of the officer team bar the undergraduate education officer represents postgrads. But most of them are coming from only being an undergrad at university. So often there's a lot of, you know, explaining and basically saying, look, I understand that you are naturally going to come from a very undergrad-focused space because you've only been an undergrad and there are so many more undergraduates here than there are postgrads. But I think I am really pleased with the, the outcome of that motion um, and the relationship that the Students' Union has with UCU, with Unison, and our 
our presence at picket lines and at strike rallies. I think that's something that should never really be overlooked. Um, and just trying to get as many students of, of all levels, really, whether that's undergraduate, PGT or PGR, to understand the issues, um, maybe get campaigning behind them as well and support staff. I think that's that's massive, really. Um, another one I would probably say <laughs> is I, I said I, I previously that I did an MPhil in film and television. So I was based in the arts faculty and um I think it was maybe the year that I started here back in 2019 that I I recognised that there was a, a bit of a contentious issue going on in arts faculty, which, I mean, it, it, it's happening in every faculty, basically, but um, space. Space is a huge issue for PGRs. Um, but particularly in the arts faculty, there was an issue with the, the building for PGRs um, and the, its availability for specifically for PGRs, um, it's a it's a it's a lovely building, but maybe needs a little bit of renovation work. And also, the ground floor rooms were still teaching rooms, so it wasn't a building that you could necessarily lock off with UCard access only for PGRs. So a lot of campaigning work was done. And again, this is a really good example of the PGR faculty rep working with the PGR departmental reps and other PGRs who were just really passionate about this. So I, I did a little bit of campaigning on it when I was a faculty rep, and then that got passed on to faculty reps after me. And then they worked on this project so ridiculously hard and pushed for it so hard, then came to me when they said, look, we've got this far. We maybe need you to bring this up in a couple of meetings you're in. And after, gosh years of campaigning for for this change um i think it's i think it's literally this term that it's being changed to to only being a, a building for postgrad researchers so there won't be undergraduates you know around in there which is is something that that sounds silly to a lot of people but it's it's really valuable that we have our own space as pgrs and I think, yeah, that, that's a huge achievement, really. Um, something that I'm proud of for contributing to, but also something that makes me really proud of the PGR community because it was a really, really good example of PGRs coming together and campaigning and not giving up, just being persistent and, yeah, recognising that this wasn't something that you could give up on, something that you had to keep going with. I think the other thing is a universal issue for students is mental health and wellbeing. And... The university has done a lot to improve, but obviously there's there's still a way to go. There is for, for every university, there is just in nationally, there's a lot still to be done. Um, but I did quite a lot of work last year that I'm still continuing this year um, just to make sure it gets finished, fingers crossed, before I depart my role. Um, basically, a project focused on postgraduate taught wellbeing and mental health and postgraduate research, mental health and wellbeing, because so many of the services we have at the university say that they're relevant to PGRs and are open for PGRs to access, but the staff working in them don't necessarily have the same amount of knowledge that people in the Bristol Doctoral College maybe do about the PGR experience. So I created uh, refresher materials that were basically designed to be presented to staff in the wellbeing services, in disability services, in study skills, to basically be like, this is the base level knowledge of the PGR experience. These are some common issues faced by postgraduate researchers. 
because I was I was hearing stories of PGRs going to speak to a wellbeing advisor and being asked about whether their exam schedule was causing them stress um, or whether they had a coursework deadline or maybe they were worried that they couldn't manage their timetable. And it, it was things like that that make PGR think, oh, well, this this service just isn't relevant for me. This There's nothing I can get out of this. So I think building up and then delivering those refresher sessions has been something that I'm really, to be honest, really proud of because everyone I've spoken to about it has said, you know what, I had some level of knowledge here, but there's always been something they've been like, that surprised me. That shocked me. That That's something new. Um, and anything really that I can do to make the university, everyone at the university more aware of what it is to be a PGR, because it, it's an amazing thing, but it's also a very stressful and sometimes difficult thing. So anything I can do to basically make university staff more aware of our situations, our individual issues, I'm going to be proud of that. <laughs> yeah, it should be. And that sounds like a really worthwhile use of your time that you've been kind of putting in for us for the last one and a half years um i would say but uh, before we, before we end um do you want some space to sort of plug what campaign week is when it will happen and how postgraduates can put themselves forwards for roles or read up about those who have done that yeah, that would be wonderful. Thank you. So our TB2 elections, which I think I, I mentioned previously, are our biggest elections that we do throughout the academic year. Uh, nominations will open on the 1st of February. I think they open until the 22nd of February. And then we have our voting slash campaigning week in the beginning of March. And that's when we elect our seven full-time officers, uh, my role included, because um, you can only hold a sabbatical officer position for two years. Uh, so after one year, you have to run to be re-elected. You can't just automatically continue. Um, but you can only do that for up to two years. So I will have done my two years come June. So if you fancy being the next postgrad education officer, feel free to put me an email or contact me in any way because I would absolutely love to talk to you about it. But yeah, we'll be electing our full, seven full-time officers, our six PGR faculty reps and our PGR co-chair of the postgrad network. And they're all amazing roles that I would say are really, really worthwhile, not just because of the change you'll make, but also the people you'll meet as well. Some of the closest friends I have here now are people that I met whilst I was a rep, whether they were also a rep of some kind or whether they were just a PGR that I spoke to during that time. So definitely worthwhile putting your name forward. And there'll be loads of information about it on the SU website as well with all the role descriptions and that sort of thing. So check it out and don't forget to vote when we get to March as well, because they're going to be the people representing you in the university committees, in the university spaces, saying, have you thought about PGRs? What about PGRs? So make sure you're getting yourself out there if you think maybe you want to do this job or make sure that you're at least voting to have a say in, in who's representing you. Excellent. So we will be linking uh, your email and the websites in the description as well. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And for anyone who is interested in getting involved in sort of the democratic process within the university but isn't quite willing to put their studies on pause for a year then there'll be elections for faculty and school rep roles at the same time yeah so less so for our, our like school and departmental reps they tend to happen more towards the september time but sometimes it's it's an ongoing process with pgrs depending on on the faculty and the school and department 
um, because you know a, a PGR could leave at any time. They finish they finish their research at any time, so it's it's less structured in that sense. But yeah. We have, so our seven full-time officers, which are the full-time paid jobs that you can either suspend your research for or do at the end of your research. Um, but we also, yeah, have our voluntary part-time roles, so our PGR faculty reps, our PGR co-chair of the postgrad network. And obviously being a PGR can be, for some people, quite an isolating experience, especially if you're not based in an office. And so it's worth knowing for people within Bristol, but I also imagine in other universities as well, that there will be someone that you can contact even if you haven't been formally told. And so if you do have a problem, ask around, find out who your school rep, your faculty rep, your sabbatical officer is, because there will be someone there that you can talk to about the issues you're encountering. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, There will always be some form of rep for you to talk to, no matter which university you're at. It might be that they don't have a postgraduate sabbatical officer. That's not always the case. But there will be somebody there for you to talk to, whether that is a staff member or a a student representative. Excellent. Great. Thanks again to Lou for coming in. Thank Thank you for having me. And thank you to everyone who's tuned into the PGR cast. Please join us again next episode where Lou will be back to speak about embracing your inner geek in your PGR years, more specifically Dungeons and Dragons and postgraduate research. In the meantime, if you have any questions from this episode, or if you have any suggestions for future episodes, then please reach out to us on Twitter at PGRcast, or via email to pgrcast.podcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was brought to you by Rory, myself, Luca, Michael Rumbelow, and wider PGRcast team, with support from the Bristol Doctoral College. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and press play again soon.